All right, so we're, uh, we're doing a series on identity, um, our identity in Christ. Um, I'll just do a quick, um, kind of a quick review of my, my message last week. This is actually part four, but last week um, we talked about how, um, I didn't actually mention the title of my sermon last week's message. The title of my sermon was called Identified. Like identify, right? I didn't mention my sermon. I thought that was clever, and I was like, dang, I didn't say that. So identify. And one of the ways the enemy comes against us, one of his schemes is attacking our identity to get us insecure, to get us off of our game, to thinking um, we're not knowing who we are. And the Bible says not to be unaware of the enemy's schemes, our adversary, adversary schemes. Um, did I say adversary? Yeah, you said it. Can I give this to you? Adversary. He's not scary. He's a wimp. Come on, he's under our feet. Okay, he's our adversary. One of the, the Bible says um, not to be unaware of the enemies, of our enemies' schemes. And one of the ways he's, he tries to exploit our weaknesses is by exploiting insecurity. But if we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we can shut that down and we, we can move forward. I'm not, um, I'm not a big proponent of like being devil-focused all the time. I don't walk around looking for the devil under every rock. So I think some Christians do live that way. They're like, devil here, devil here. You know, I don't live that way. I, I, I try to live Jesus-focused. I try to live Christ-focused. Um, but but at the same time, we don't, we don't want to be ignorant of the fact that there is an adversary, there is an enemy out there who doesn't like you and doesn't like um, God. So um, that's what we talked about last week. Um, this week, the title of my message is, um, the title of my message is going to be a little bit, um, it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. It's a little bit provocative. But the title of my message is called, You Are Not a Sinner. And for some of you, the heresy alarms are like, this is heresy, you know. John, first John, whatever it says, you know, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us, and we deceive ourselves, you know, I'm aware that we all have the capacity to sin. Um, what I'm talking about today is that I didn't say you would never sin or you don't have the capacity to sin. What I'm saying in this message is that your identity is no longer supposed to be as a sinner. If you are a Christian in Christ Jesus, you're, yeah, that's a good place for a hand clap. Because some people sitting there, they're like, no, I need to know. I need to keep professing that I'm a sinner all the time. No, listen, that's in Christ Jesus, that is not part of your new identity. That is not who you are. So we are no longer sinners. Um, it's, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, personally, when people, um, they're more sin conscious, they're more... Um, old nature conscious than they are conscious of Christ and the new nature in Christ Jesus. And one of the things people say, and I, they mean well, they're trying to be humble. They're trying to, you know, be humble before God. One of the things people say is like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, brother, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And it's like, who, who are you doing that for? What, you know, well, who is that for? Listen, you were a sinner saved by grace. If you're a Christian, you're actually a saint now. God has brought you in to be a saint now. And so, Sinner is who you were, saint is who you are now. You are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans chapter 5 or 6, we've read this verse a lot lately, but it, it bears repeating, of course. Uh, it says this, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, implication, we're not powerless anymore, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will, will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, okay? The implication is that we're no longer supposed to be identified as such. We're supposed to be identified as righteous. We're not supposed to be identified as sinners anymore. And so, um, listen, when, when you come to Jesus, 
God, God saves you just as you are. Like, you, you can come in here, you can come broken, messed up. In fact, if you stumble along the way, you can come back to God broken, messed up. He loves you, that song, he loves you. I love that song, it's an amazing song. Like, we want people to come to see lights, broken, messed up, all kinds of problems. He comes, you come just as you are, but his goal is to actually transform your life. His goal is to bring transformation to your life. And many times, um, churches, they teach, you know, come as you are, you know, because they want to have love and they want to be relatable. And there's nothing wrong with being relatable to people and having loving open doors, but they don't teach the second part of that, which is transformation. That God's goal for your life is to bring transformation to your life. And so they want to be relatable. That's totally good. And, and we want to be relatable, and that's really good. And, and I love that we've been having a smoker's corner outside over here. It's awesome. Keep coming, you guys. And we want people walking through the doors all messed up with all kinds of different problems. And I want, get used to that, by the way. And bring those people, by the way, people with, that are messed up with all kinds of problems. We want them here. And from time to time, you might be that messed up person. From time to time, maybe I'll be that messed up person. But the goal that God has in mind for us is transformation. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.5, it talks about people who have a form of godliness in their lives, but they deny the power. The power to heal, the power to transform, the power to change. And this is the gospel that God wants us to, to be following. So this isn't supposed to be a condemning word today. This is supposed to be an empowering word for you today. So if you're stuck in some stuff like... God wants to bring you out of that, but it's, I want it to be an empowering word. Many times, many Christians in this world, they live and they walk around with a guilty conscience. Like, guilt conscience is part of their life. It's part of who they are. And um, I think, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. They think they're being humble. Like, I would be prideful if I say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They think they're going to be prideful. And they're just trying to be humble. But I think you're actually limiting your potential if you're doing that. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you know you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, you actually are going to live up to your potential more. And I want to illustrate, you guys know what a guilty conscience looks like. I want to illustrate what a guilty conscience looks like. So go ahead and roll guilty conscience video. All right, well, apparently while I was out, somebody got into the kitty cat treats. Now... I'm going to go look at the suspects. Suspect number one. Is it you, Macy? See your face. Did you do this? Did you? I don't think you did. Number two. Did you do this? Denver, did you do this? Denver, was this you? Denver, you won't look at me. Did you? What? Denver, did you do this? Look at me. Come here. Let me see. Let me see your face. Oh my goodness, Denver, you didn't. You, you did this? You got in the kitty cat's treats? While I was gone? I can't believe it. Are you sorry about it? 
soon. You know the routine. In the kennel. Go on. That was a guilty looking dog, wasn't it? That dog is not a good liar. Um, Listen, this is how many, that's how many, that's a picture of how many Christians live, not just when they like stumble along the way, like that's how they live their entire life. They're always living with this guilty conscience. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, looking away, don't look at me. Like that's how a lot of people live their lives. And if this is you, I'm, 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 I'm preaching to you today. Now listen, if, you're, if you've stumbled along the way and you've messed up, it's okay to be like, it's okay if the Holy Spirit convicts you. And you say, I'm sorry, and you turn around. But you don't need to get on this, like, 30-day repentance program. You just need to just turn around, right? There's not a 30-day program to get back in good standing with God. Or if you've, if you've wronged or you've hurt someone, like, say you're sorry, own it, and repent and get back in that relationship and keep going, right? But this whole business of, like, having a guilty conscience forever and, and just having this live over you, like, God wants that off of you. God wants that off of you. Um, he wants your conscience to be clean, okay? And so um, I'm going to go through uh, some, a portion of Scripture here. Um, Hebrews 10, uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 11 through 22, talking about conscience. Um, and we'll get here in just a second. So it says this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. So this is talking about the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament. They offered sacrifices. They continually offered them to make atonement for the people. It says it can never take away sins. Verse 12, but when, the pre- but when this priest, speaking of Jesus, had offered for uh, all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. Verse 14, for by one sacrifice he made, listen to this, made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and their laws acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. What should this produce in our lives? What should this produce? Verse 19 Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place, okay? The most holy place was in, uh, in, the old, in the Old Testament. It was talking about there was one person once a year, the high priest that could go into that place and never without blood. So only one person had access to this place. And, and he's saying we have confidence to go into that place under the New Covenant, the New Testament. We all have access to go into the most holy place with God. It's good news right there. Uh, verse 20. Um, I'll just read 19 and we'll go into 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, by a new and living way opened to us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience having our bodies washed with pure water. Are you, are you hearing this? Like, he wants, our, he wants us cleansed from that guilty conscience. He doesn't want us walking around with this guilty conscience. He saved me, but I have to kind of like be, feel bad for the rest of my life. Like, that's not what he's going for. He didn't save you, and then you like, you owe him this, this debt forever where you have to walk around guilty for the rest of your life. That's not what he's saying. He wants that, that guilty conscience thing, he wants that completely removed from you. And it's, it's, it's called, uh, it's called Godfidence, right? 
It's not, amen? It's called godfidence. It's not, it's not self-righteousness. It's not self-serving. It's called godfidence. He wants, um, it's, it's confidence in God. It's confidence in what he did for us and confidence in the way he sees us. And so he doesn't want a sin conscience. Uh, he doesn't want us to walk around with a sin conscience. He wants us to walk around with a Jesus conscience, a Jesus focus. And, and if, I'll, if, I, if I'm up here and I teach you you're a sinner, you will manifest that belief system. If I get up, if you get up here every week and I say, you're sinners, 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 you're actually going to manifest that belief system. You're, you'll sin by faith because that's your belief system. I'm a sinner and I'll always be a sinner and I'll always mess up and I'll always stumble. Okay? If you believe that, you will believe that by faith. You're, that belief system will manifest itself. But if I teach you you're righteous, holy, blameless in his sight, you just might start acting that way. You just might manifest that behavior. You might act, you believe you're clean, you might actually act clean, right? And this is where some of you have been stuck your whole lives because you've always believed you're dirty, you've always believed there's always going to be something, and then you, there is something <laughs> because you believe that. And I think we'll live cleaner believing that we are clean, amen? Um, when I was a kid, my, my grandpa used to own a farm out in Brush, Colorado, and we would, we would go out there occasionally, and I would... Um, we went out there one time, and me and my cousins, we all got to sit on my, my grandpa's lap as he drove his tractor, and he was, I don't know, plowing a line or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, we're sitting on his lap, and all my cousins go first. My, my brother, my cousins go first, and my grandpa's like, we're just you know, trying to draw these straight lines, you know, plowing straight lines, and he said to us, he said, what you want to do is you want to focus at a post down there at the end of the field and just kind of drive towards it, and so it was my turn to go, and I'm like, I want to draw the straightest lines possible. I want to do better than my brother. I want to do better than my cousin. So I got in there. I sat on my grandpa's lap, and he's like, yeah, here's the line that went before us, and, and you, know, you look at the post. And so I'm looking at the line, and I'm like, I'm gonna, this is going to be great. I'm going to be perfect, and I'm going to draw the straight line, and it's going to be, at the end of the day, we're all going to see how good of a driver I am. We got done at the end of the day, and we looked out the window, and like, their lines were nice and straight, and my line was like this the whole way. And everyone laughed. They're like, what were you doing? And honestly, it was, I was trying really hard to draw these perfectly straight lines. And listen, that is what it's like many times in, our, in the Christian life. If we're sin-focused, sin-conscious, we're trying hard to do good, the good I will to do, I don't, the, the things I don't want to do, I do. You know, we're trying really hard to obey the law. We're trying really hard to be good enough for God. We're going to live our lives messing up all the time. But if we just keep our eyes focused on Jesus the author and the finish of our faith down at the end, like we're just gonna, we're gonna live better, amen? So don't be, um, don't become super introspective and self-focused and sin-focused and why this and why that, like, like be Christ-focused, amen? Okay, so there's uh, three points of view that I think God wants us to have. I'm gonna go through these today. The first point of view is um, we need to know how God sees us, okay? Um, how does God see us? Colossians 1, 22. Uh, 21 through 22, it says this, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Amen? Holy in his sight. He, he's come to present us holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If, you have, if you're here and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you're a Christian, you're professing Christian, this is how God sees you. He sees you through the blood. Holy, um, without blemish, free from accusation. And you just, if you don't believe that today, you just need to receive that today. Just receive that. Amen? 
but I'm a sinner saved by grace and I'm being humble. Like, no, you're not being humble. You're limiting yourself. You're limiting your potential, okay? Um, listen, church, I want you guys, I want City Light Church, I want us to believe that. I want to believe like what Jesus provided for us. I want you to believe this. this. We want to be lights in our city. We want to be a light for the city, right? In order for that to happen, you guys need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. We can't be lights in the city without knowing our identity, and you need to know this, okay? The second point, um, the second view uh, point that God wants us to have is God wants us to know um, how, we, how to view ourselves. Know how he wants us to view ourselves, okay? This one will take a second as well. I'm going to read um, some, a portion of Romans here. How does he want us to view ourselves? So we know how he sees us. How does he want us to view ourselves? Romans 6, 1 um, by the way, okay, how many know that Romans 5 comes before Romans 6? Romans chapter 5 comes before, okay, good, good. No, you can raise your hands if you want, no. Um, you did, Matt knew that. So in chapter 5, we, we've preached out of chapter 5 you know, a few weeks ago, and, and it talked about where sin abounds, there grace superabounds, right? So where, where sin has come in the world, where we've messed up, like grace isn't just enough, it's like more than enough, right? It overflows. And he gets to the end of that chapter and he realizes, Paul realizes, people might actually naturally have this question because who wants more grace in their life? I want more grace in my life, right? So he, he thinks, hey, people want more grace in their life and they, after reading chapter five, might actually think, in order to get more grace, maybe I should just sin more, that's maybe a natural thing that they, he arrives at. So he answers this question in Romans, in Romans uh, 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Okay, and he answers in verse, uh, verse 2. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, were baptized into Christ Jesus, I'm sorry. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like this. Check this out. For we know that our old self was, everyone say was. For our old self was crucified, co-crucified, right, with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Okay, by the way, that means to render idle and completely useless, be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Was speaks of past tense. We were crucified, our old self was crucified with Christ, past tense, past tense, past tense, okay? Remember that. Uh, verse eight, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Here it is, verse, verse 11 and 12. In the same way, this is how he wants you to view yourself, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus. Okay? Count yourselves, when you take inventory of yourselves, count yourselves dead to sin. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its obey its evil desires. Listen, verse, or, uh, verse 11 actually empowers verse 12. He says, when you count yourselves dead to sin, it empowers you to not let sin reign in your mortal body. Okay? Verse 11 comes before 12. Remember, as we count ourselves dead to sin, that's when we take inventory of ourselves. Don't take inventory of yourself as, I'm just a worthless piece of, you know, whatever. He says, he says count yourselves dead to sin. Okay? Um, <clears throat> 
Okay, so that's point, point of view number two. That's, we know how God want, wants to see us. We know how um, he wants us to see ourselves. And then the third point of view that God wants us to have is know how he wants us to view each other, okay? So the last step is know how to, know how to view each other. Second uh, Corinthians five sixteen through 17 says this, from now on, therefore, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if any was in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says, don't regard even each other in the old way of thinking, the old manner, the old, fle- the, the old sin nature. Regard each other as new creations in Christ Jesus. So when I look at you and I look at this audience, I don't look, I'm not seeing a bunch of sinners. I see saints. Amen? Even though that maybe is a behavior that from time to time you might stumble into, I see saints. This should, be a, this should be a message that is setting you free and not condemning you. Because some of you are here like, well, but I do have that problem. Well, listen, if you get this mentality that you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, you will begin to live free, I promise you. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this practical now. I'm gonna have um, Evan and Elijah. Can you guys bring up my props here, okay? All right. Got some, I got some props for you guys this morning. Just right there is fine. And then I got the, um, I brought back the old shovel. <laughs> this is my preaching shovel, apparently. My show shovel. Making its second appearance here at City Lights Church, so. Yeah. Let's clap for the shovel, everyone. <laughs> what happens, what happens when we're living our lives and we stumble, we stumble along the way? What do we do? Okay, oh, I had a lustful thought. Um, I stubbed my toe and I, I, I cussed, you know, I got angry in traffic and I cut someone off and I lost my temper and I had a City Lights Church bumper sticker on my car. <laughs> what do I do? You know, that, there's this, that sin nature is rising up. What is, what is going on here? I had a prideful thought. Like, I had a moment of pride. I think sometimes, this is what I think people's inclination would be. If you think your old man isn't dead, this is what they think. Like, well, my old man was was united with, with Jesus in death. He was buried with Jesus, but clearly he's not dead because I just manifested a thought or behavior that wasn't, um, that was sinful. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go dig up my old man and your old man's buried and you're gonna dig him up and you're like, well, clearly the old man isn't dead. And then they come over to the old man like, die, you old man. <laughs> won't, won't you die? And then they cover him back over with dirt and then they go along with their lives. And then they stumble along the way again. Oh, man, I messed up again. Well, I need to go back to the old sin nature here. Let's dig him back up because he was buried with Christ, but apparently he's not dead. You dig him up, and then you beat him over the head again a few times. And then you find out this isn't really working. So, okay, that's option one. How many think maybe there's a, maybe there's a better option? Okay, that's option one. This is, this, is, this is the second and better option, in my opinion. Okay, this is a chair. This is resting in the finished work of the cross and what Jesus already provided and did for us. So when you're sitting and you're resting in what Jesus did for you, and you stumble along the way, this is what I do. I say, God, I thank you that that greedy Kurt died with you. I thank you, God, that selfish Kurt died with you. God, I thank you that lustful man, he he died with you. That insecure man, he died with you. 
That man who has lied, that man who has had pride, God, I thank you that that man, that old nature, he has died with you. But thank you, God, that I was raised to life and I am in Christ Jesus and I'm in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I do along the way. I say, oh, I stumbled. I say, oh, man, God, I just manifested something that was... I'm a son, and I wasn't acting like a son just there. Father, forgive me for not acting like a son. God, show me who I am so I don't do that anymore. Reveal to me my true nature, that my old self has died with you, and reveal to me I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus so I don't keep doing that. That way you don't have to keep going back and, you know, digging up the old man and trying to kill the old man. Like, he's dead. Like, he's dead, okay? And you just need to recognize he's dead in Christ Jesus. Rest in the finished work of the cross. When you stumble along the way, you just get back up. Oh, God, I wasn't, I wasn't acting like that wasn't my true nature. I'm a son. Thank you, Father God. That lustful man, that greedy man, that prideful man, he died with you. But thank you, God, I've been, I've been raised with you in life. Amen? It gets your eyes. Because what is this? This is introspection. This is going back to looking at you. And you're not, you're not going to find solutions here you're going to find solutions in Christ. Like, it's okay to look in as long as Christ is pointing to the answer, right? Christ is in here. If he's pointing you to solutions. But going introspective typically isn't where you're going to find good answers, okay? Being focused on Jesus, we're going to find good answers. And so it's Christ-focused, not self-focused. Amen? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Last week I talked about you're not a human doing, you're a human being, right? You're not what you do, you are who God says you are, you're a human being. He says that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, this isn't something you do, this is actually something you're supposed to be, this is who you are, right? Righteousness is supposed to be your identity, who you are in him, okay? It's supposed to become your new identity. And I just want to say to you this morning, Try it on. It looks good on you, okay? It was made just for you. It's like a tailor-made thing just for you. Put on that righteousness of God. He made it just for you. It looks good on you. And you don't have to put on those old false humility garments garments anymore, right? You can put those things down, that false humility, like I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Like, no. Even when you do stumble along the way, don't identify with the sin nature. Count yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. When you take inventory, take inventory and say, no, that's my old nature. He's dead. I'm resting in the finished work of the cross. Amen? Rest in the finished work of the cross. It's so good. Okay. So, again, if I teach you you're a sinner, you'll wake up in the morning and you'll, you'll manifest that belief system. You'll sin by faith. You'll wake up in the morning like that guilty dog every day. Won't even look your master in the eye, right? Whether you've messed up that day or whether you've just lived a life and you're not sure if that sin's still there or not, you'll live that way. But if I teach you you're the righteous of God and Christ Jesus, you're holy, blameless in his sight, you just might live and act that way. This is how God sees you, this is how you should see yourself, and this is how we should see each other, and this is how we see the best and call the gold out of each other, because we know that there's some gold in the hills, right? Amen. All right, so to close, I want to give you a picture of how I think we should interact with our Father. I give you a picture of like what shame looks like, what guilty conscience looks like, and um, I want to give you a picture of what boldly coming before the throne of grace, boldly becoming before God, we talked about that in Hebrews, looks like. And so I'm going to play a video of soldiers returning home from service and seeing their pets for the first time in a long time. So go ahead and roll that video.
think Daddy's home. <laughs> All right, guys, that's what it looks like. And that's how it should look like with our father. Amen? We boldly come before the throne of grace because he's washed us. We're clean. You are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.